Welcome to Epilux Kids and COVID. I'm Sarah Lindsner. I'm Gavin Flood. And I'm Nick McKenney. Today, we're going to talk about technology and what that was like in the classroom and out of the classroom in a way this year. And then we're going to go into what students commented on liking and disliking and their recommendations for teachers and the school in general for the future. There's more dependence on technology. We still use the Chromebooks that we've had for the past couple of years. But I think it's just that in general, everyone has to use the Chromebooks all the time now because you can't really get as many paper copies of things. And you'll have to be talking to people on Zoom. Technology was clearly integrated even further into the classroom this year than it has been in the past. Although we've had learning management systems, smart boards, and even some schools had computers already, schools were almost forced to make even more accommodations and integrate technology even further than they did in the past because they needed either virtual or hybrid models for the classroom. And a lot of schools also commented on um, not even being able to like pass out papers the way that they would be able to because of like teachers and students touching them and worrying about COVID especially. Yeah, and as a result of this increased technology dependence, uh, a lot of education and, and learning objectives were really hindered when technology didn't go as expected or things weren't uh, working as intended. So I know a couple of our students really commented upon how it was frustrating for them when they were using these tech tools and that something went wrong and they couldn't connect to the Wi-Fi or even couldn't connect to the service itself. And that they were really you know, annoyed and frustrated by this interruption um, and this inability to do their work. There's always like more chance for like people's mics to be cutting out or like someone to have like really bad Wi-Fi at home. Well, usually I can pay attention, but sometimes if it starts glitching for a few seconds, even if it's just for a few seconds, I can't hear the teacher, but the teacher can hear me. So I'm like, I can't hear you. And then and then the teacher's like, okay, leaves the meeting, come back in. So that's basically like the only solution to to like, you can't hear the teacher. When you're waiting for the teacher to do the next thing, every once in a while they get muted. Every once in a while, they start glitching a bunch, and also every once in a while, they just get distracted by people in person, and they can't understand what they're trying to say, and they just end up you sitting there for the whole 45-minute period doing absolutely nothing. And although there definitely were tech mishaps because we depended so much more on technology, some students actually found it nice to be on Zoom or other um, platforms like Teams because they found it less distracting, actually. In-person school was kind of strange because there were always these kids who would do really strange things. Like if the teacher says, okay, who can tell me the answer to three times five? One kid was like, um, one kid was like, it's 20. And then another kid was like, no, it's not. You dope, it's 15. So sometimes there would be random class arguments in the back of the classroom while the teachers are just teaching the class, but kids are muted, so uh, they can't have those kind of conversations. Yeah, I think we really saw a newfound 
aspect of flexibility to all things school related this past year. So, you know, students could um, opt into virtual extracurricular activities or they could opt into a fully uh, virtual learning model if they wanted to. So I think students really embraced that. Um, for, for many of them, um, that flexibility meant that they really seem to miss what is lost of, from in-person learning. Um, but for some, they really hope that uh, some of these flexible virtual uh, capacities continue to be maintained in, in education. Some students noted too that they were able to learn new skills like email or um, other organizational skills. I learned that in Zoom, if you click the button that looks like a microphone that says mute under it, and you click that, the teacher can't hear you anymore. And that if you click the button of a camera that says stop video, the teacher can't see your video anymore. I sent an email to my dad, which is basically for me. It's, uh, it's, it's about my animal paragraphs. Oh, I, I've been researching. Um, and, and I've been typing up paragraphs and writing their drafts. But I think as teachers, we also noted some students lacking these skills if they weren't directly taught. Yeah, I think, you know, as a, as a future history teacher, there was a lot of media literacy that we needed to teach our, our kids, not only from an increased use and, and um, dependence on technology for uh, news articles and, and online uh, social studies resources, but also like Sarah said, teaching students how to organize their Google drives or their desktops. In September, for example, my middle schoolers didn't have any folders in their Google Drive. So we spent the first week of classes helping students to label their documents and label their folders and sort things from last year. So these kind of executive functioning skills needed to be transferred from, you know, what before COVID we saw as having an organized binder uh, to now having an organized Google Drive, for example. Yeah, and it'll be exciting to see how prolonged these changes last. Uh, obviously, students are learning these skills much earlier than, than we did, or uh, even if we just went to school a few years ago. For instance, uh, we talked to a second grader who had learned how to send an email, and she was so excited about this new skill she had. But obviously, that's way before any of us had learned how to send an email. So it'll be exciting and interesting to see how these skills kind of follow these students uh, as they progress to adult adulthood. Although these students are now considered tech natives, they've really grown up in this technology world and they can probably navigate it better than um, generations before them can. But it's important to note they still need to be taught skills. Things like how to organize your Google Drive. You know, those are skills that students really need to be taught and aren't always. I think another interesting theme that came out of our, of our interviews and just noticing students in classrooms in the fall as student teachers was uh, this increased student-driven time management. Um, students, uh, even if they were learning in a, in a hybrid model where they were in school a few days a week, were still having to figure out their days and when they were doing their work uh, on their own largely. It wasn't dictated by the ringing of a bell or um, you know, the, the regular school day hours. So 
we found, or at least I found that students were waiting and procrastinating until really late at night to do their work. Um, and I think that there is some good to that. There's some benefit to having that flexibility to complete work whenever you'd like. But I think it also affected students' health and, and, and maybe even the quality of their work. I don't know. Um, it starts like really early because like school starts at like 7.30 now, which I think is like insanely early. I'm not even really awake by then. It, like I started off doing like being like really serious, but like I'm going to do my work at my desk every day. I'm going to like get up early and like be all like productive. But now I kind of just like sit in my bed and like don't really pay attention as much anymore, which I'm definitely trying to get better about because like APs are coming up soon and I really don't want to do bad on those. March of last year, the beginning of March, everyone's just learning how to do it, but I consider myself an okay academic person, and I was able to complete my assignments pretty easily and pretty quickly, so I was done in, like, the end of May or so, maybe beginning of June, and I liked that because if there was an easy assignment, you could do it in a certain amount of time and not just have to wait after that you could go on and do another assignment so if you got to a harder assignment it wouldn't take more time and you wouldn't have to have the rest of it as homework i do miss the freedom of having control over my time i think i actually focused a little bit better when i was able to do all of the stuff myself and some students did know that having these asynchronous days were really helpful, but it's important that not every student is able to do that. Yeah, we, my cooperating teacher and I had office hours on, on the asynchronous Wednesdays, which so many schools adopted. I, I feel like office hours were very much a, a higher education only phenomenon before COVID. And I, I, I really think that students benefited from that one-on-one -on -one time even though it was virtual and, and even though they couldn't just pop in and ask a teacher a question at the end of a period, say in an in-person model, um, they still had that one-on-one -on -one time with us on an individual Zoom call. And it goes back to that flexibility. It was nice for students to have that this year. That Wednesday, I think some students really enjoyed not getting up so early and being able to sleep in a little bit and really get their sleep schedule back and then do work throughout the day and go to office hours and see teachers and interact. So having that flexibility, even just if it was one day a week, really benefited some students. I actually get to sleep in for about a half hour longer because I'll get up right when class starts instead of ahead of time, which is kind of nice because it means that I'm more rested before class. And then throughout the first couple of periods, I noticed that people like on Zoom at the beginning of the day, they won't be as active in classes and stuff, but later on in the day, they'll be more participating. Especially for students who are entirely virtual, having that uh, Zoom break was uh, essential and, and vital, really, because as we've noted a few times before in this podcast, students experience some level of Zoom fatigue just by continued exposure and, and prolonged time spent in front of their computer screens. So these asynchronous Wednesdays were, were really helpful in sort of helping those students recover from even just two days on Zoom. And teachers embraced those, that break from technology, too. <laughs> very, very true. <laughs> I log on to Zoom and then I'm on Zoom for the next six hours. And if I have to do other school stuff after, 
then I do that. So I like being on Zoom because I get to connect with other people besides my family. No offense, but it's frustrating after about two weeks of just the Zoom, 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 Zoom experience to have to continue going through that. Another concept that was really interesting and we found is this kind of school was really coming into the home and you know in previous years teachers have noted that home comes into school a lot and really knowing your students and creating those relationships are important but teachers don't see the other side a lot of the times but this year because of zoom cameras were on and teachers were able to see what home was like for students yeah and that was uh, an aspect of school students noted they disliked you know they felt a little strange having their teachers being able to see kind of uh, behind their camera behind their lens uh, into their homes uh, it felt a little intrusive for some students and a little uh, uncomfortable but obviously an essential way to communicate and interact with their teachers oh we use class link and there's this thing called go guardian where the teacher can monitor what you're doing and stuff i think it's kind of creepy but it's also kind of interesting so there's like a chat where you can type something to the teacher and then the teacher but it's helpful because the teacher can see where you are so if you're on zoom and then it's like this isn't working the teacher can look at your screen and say uh okay i think that you clicked this wrong or something instead of you having to share your screen and stuff so it's like they're in my house and another kind of part of this is um, especially for younger kids pets were really important now in the classroom so some students noted that if they were home that they had cats or dogs um, maybe other types of pets were there that were at home and were kind of there during school and was a nice kind of cathartic therapy for them to have while doing school at the same time. Yeah, I think something that we all experienced during our student teaching to some degree is that students, uh, maybe perhaps because they were missing that social element, really love sharing their pets on Zoom. And so they would spend, often would bring their, their cats or their dogs or their uh, lizards into the, the camera and show us you know, who it is and who they take care of at home. One of the things that's really nice about cats is that one of my cats is kind of huge. Well, not ki kind of huge, but she's pretty big. And she sits on the couch right by my desk in the sunroom every single day. And I, if, if I'm getting like super annoyed with my teachers or anything, I sometimes talk like I'm an insane person to my cat or whatever. And lifts up my spirits. Because of the virus, I got a dog, and then a couple months later, I got a duck. Well, in in-person school, I'm not allowed to have my cat in my classroom. As with everything, not all students enjoyed that, and for some students that went on for a little too long, and they became a little sick of uh, seeing all their pets. But again, it was, it was really important for some of our, our students. Or they'll just be all like, hey, look at my cat, or something which I thought like we had like gotten past in our Zoom classes, like showing everyone your pets, but apparently not. It's getting really annoying. Like it was cute for like two weeks, but like, I don't care what your dog looks like. I just want to stop. I'll also say that, that from a future teacher perspective, whether the technology went 
smoothly or not, it was really great for, for the three of us to have that exposure to kind of learning through this emergency model um, that we had to in the fall. We were there kind of boots on the ground with our cooperating teachers trying to figure out how this learning management system works, how Zoom will work, um, and all the other programs that our individual schools used. And I think that will just prepare us really well for whatever uh, jobs or, or role technology will play in the future. And it was cool, I think, too, because this was new for all teachers. It was kind of like we were getting on, like Gavin said, on the ground floor. And we're really able to work with our teachers, our cooperating teachers, or other teachers in the building a lot more and maybe more creatively than we could in the past. So I think for student teachers, this was a really great time to get into teaching because it really kind of expanded our skill set. Yeah, I think we were all really, really scared um, in August before we started school. And rightfully so, there were just so many unknowns. But frankly, I, I came away with so many more skills related to technology than I think I probably would have gotten in a, in a normal school year. And that flexibility, again, is really important for us as we had a lot of mishaps, I know, in my classroom. Um, it was good for me to be able to be a little bit more flexible and use my knowledge of the classroom that way. Uh, it is important to note, and as somebody who was teaching in an entirely virtual model, and some of our students in our podcast also mentioned this, is that sometimes on Zoom, things can be a little awkward, where students don't really know when they should jump in or don't always feel comfortable uh, jumping in, and teachers are kind of waiting for somebody to respond because they, they want and they miss that interaction with their students. And so it creates these long pauses that are somewhat uncomfortable for both the student and the teacher to experience while teaching through Zoom. And this can definitely be hard in a hybrid classroom where it can feel like the people in person answering right away can raise their hand right away. And the people on Zoom are in a way left behind unless the teacher really focuses on them as well. Because um, it's like always awkward with like 10 people in the classroom and 10 people at home, like who's like muting and unmuting and like they don't want like a ton of feedback or anything. You can't see the people in person like raising their hands and like you can't really hear them from like however far away they are. So it's kind of hard to just like randomly start talking in the Zoom when you're not 100% sure what's going on in class. When you're in Zoom during like a lecture, if my teacher is, if he's explaining something, uh, we can't just unmute and start talking. We have to wait until he's completely done and we might forget our question and later we might fail a test because of that, who knows? I think the people in person get a little more attention because they can kind of you can they can actually raise their hand and say I have this question blah blah blah. I think most teachers try and balance it out evenly so that people who are talking in class are 50-50 between Zoom and in person and it means that you feel like you're still hearing the people who aren't there physically. Yeah it's harder to hear the students when you're virtual but you can still hear them. It just takes a little bit of work. Yeah, and I, and I think an aspect of Zoom is is that we really are performing for the camera. Um, we see ourselves on the screen the whole day unless we turn off our self view, which is a, a great feature of Zoom. But um, if you don't, I think it can really provoke some really exhausting characteristics that you perform for yourself throughout the day. And and you know, a thirty minute Zoom call may feel way longer than that because of 
you're just looking at yourself the whole time. And obviously that's not an aspect of say an in-person discussion sitting around a, a table with other folks. So I think that really, I mean, as a student learning virtually now, that is, that is an aspect of my education that's been tough. And I think that that's a, a pretty scary thing that adolescents and young people are experiencing pretty prematurely, that kind of self-image, always looking at themselves, um, performing for the camera, performing for their classmates. That's not an aspect of, of normal in-person school. One theme that, that came out of our conversations with participants was an aspect of a lack of closure between the 2019 through 2020 school year and, and this school year, 2021 through 2020 through 2021. We had one student who I believe was supposed to enter high school, um, went from middle school to high school, all on a virtual and hybrid model. Um, so they didn't feel closure from middle school and then they're already in a high school environment. And we had one student who's gonna be a senior next year and didn't feel like they even finished sophomore year. And now a whole extra year has gone by and college and post high school life is coming up quickly without that closure from two years ago almost now. And I think even for ourselves, so we all graduated in 2020 from college. And I think all of us feel a little bit less closure than we would have because we didn't actually have an in-person graduation. And I think that was important for seniors too. Although we didn't talk to seniors from high school who have now graduated and are in college, I can guess that it might feel like they didn't really finish high school or they didn't have this kind of big celebration where they were able to have all these events that you usually do at the end of your high school career. So it was important to note too that not only were people not getting closure from the grades in the past, but not getting closure maybe from high school or from college generally. It's weird to think that I'm going to be a senior next year because I feel like I never fully finished my sophomore year. Like I know I did and I like did all the work and I did all the exams, but I, I feel like I still don't really have closure from sophomore year and I'm almost a senior and that's kind of crazy. Yeah, and that's uh, related to a point that I think is really interesting to see uh, moving forward is we have all these students in a variety of different learning modalities who have experienced vastly different things than a traditional high school or middle school or elementary school experience. So what happens when you start intermingling or reintegrating these people back into their, their school districts? You know, what happens when you take somebody who was in a learning pod or who was entirely virtual to go into a new, potentially a new school and a new new grade level and interact with people they may or may not have ever met. So that's something I'm, I'm, I'm gonna be mindful of as we move forward and start teaching in the future. Uh, well, I'm a, I'm a bit worried for next year because I'm gonna go into a new school. I'm a bit worried, but I'm happy because I'm gonna meet those people. Well, sometimes it, like it's a, it's a bigger, it's a way bigger building and it's got so many rooms. I'm worried I'm gonna get lost and go into the wrong classroom. I, I think I'll, I'll definitely go down the right hall, but I might start. not get to the right door. By then I'd have gotten used to virtual school. So going back to in-person school, that would be kind of awkward. I do think though that one thing I've learned from talking with the uh, our participants is that kids have been the most adaptable out of any demographic 
uh, over the past year. Many of the students we talked to said that they don't even notice wearing masks anymore. It's become so habitual. Um, the COVID restrictions in the schools, um, again, are just kind of normal now. So I, I, I'm pretty confident that whatever modality kids learned in for you know, this school year, they'll be able to figure out next school year with more ease than I think the rest of us who are older will, will handle it. Like sometimes when I ignore it too much, I don't even think the plexiglass is there and I don't even notice it. And it doesn't even feel like my mask is on because you can see right through the plexiglass and it's like, it's not even there. Do you like wearing masks? Not really, but I don't really care. The last question we asked students was what their hopes are for the next school year, and their responses ranged from optimistic for the future to anxious about changes to the modality and flexibility of school. I wish every day that I did not have to be in this stupid Zoom call. It might happen that it's just fully back to normal next year, depending on who can get vaccinated, because if they lower the vaccination age down to 12, which could happen at some point over the summer, it would mean that they could really open up the school fully again. I hope that they do that, but at the same time, I'm actually doing fine with virtual school. I know a lot of people are struggling, but I don't mind either way, really. Came to see everybody in person, probably. I kind of just hope it's like not as stressful as like a lot of the seniors this year and last year have been. I'm actually really excited for my senior spring. Free play. Well, we have a pretend kitchen. Go on teacher cards. We go in the pavilion and we don't have to wear a mask. I'm, I'm just hopeful that when COVID is gone, everything will kind of ease back to normal. But I want things to be affected by COVID in a way that will help everyone understand each other better. COVID will be over. We're done wearing masks and the plexiglass is all like all gone and it'll be back to normal. I hope that it's a fun year. So certainly the three of us learned a lot from talking with young folks, and I think we achieved our goal in this podcast of lifting up and learning from student voices during the pandemic and as, as future teachers, their words and, and suggestions really mean a lot to us. What are some takeaways that, that we have after hearing what, what our participants have said? I think one for me, and I've probably said this before sometime in the podcast, but it's to really question a lot of what we think school is like. You know, for students like for lunch, recess, even just what a school day is supposed to look like, it's really questioning that and saying, is that really the best for our students? And is that what will make our students better learners? And I think a related point uh, to that is that a lot of our students uh, noted that they really missed interacting with other people. And so I think for me, as I move forward, I'm going to try to really uh, design or be intentional about opportunities for students to collaborate with each other in authentic and meaningful ways in the classroom. Yeah, and, and, and really a theme of 
the the conversations we had was was this aspect of flexibility, right? And the ability for schools to offer more options and, and different modalities of learning, even if we enter back into a, a full in-person model next year, still offering office hours even over Zoom or extracurricular activities, it might make things more feasible for, for more students and for more families as we try to, to navigate going in between a virtual and in-person world. So that's it for us here at FLX Kids in COVID. We would like to thank Professor Mary Kelly of the HWS Education Department for being our advisor, our peers and our master's cohort for helping us with some of the questions we use in the interviews, Andrew Smith, who is a member of the digital learning team at HWS for advice on podcasting, and of course, the students and their families who took time out of their day for the interviews for this podcast. Thanks to you all for listening.